And we're live with our 141st episode of Absolute AppSec. I'm Ken Johnson at CK Tricky on Twitter, joined by my co-host Seth Law at Seth Law on Twitter and at Seth Law in my heart. Uh, <laughs> Seth, say hi. <laughs> Hey, everybody. I'm going to give you a nice look. I can't even do it. I'm, uh, I'm bad. Welcome back to another episode. Ken and I are going to rip on XSS today um, and talk about all the things. Uh, I've been told there's certain topics that are off limits today, so we won't be talking about those. <laughs> Hit us up on, in, on Twitter if you want to know more. Um, but, but uh, as far as announcements go, we still do have a couple of seats for uh, the Black Hat Next Level Code Red oh, shit. Hunting thing. Next Level Bug Hunting Bug Hunting Yeah Code Edition. There you go. That's it. Um, the, which is the Black Hat version of Seth and Ken's Excellent Adventures and Secure Code Review. Um, please, please, please sign up if you are interested. If you need more information, reach out to us about it. Uh, outside of that, I will be at DefCon. I don't. I don't know if uh, Ken or you guys is GitHub doing any event or anything like that this year, or is that all off the table too? No event uh, this year, but there will be people there. But you know, like they're they're just going for their own learning and yeah. networking. So, yep. uh, not a whole lot of involvement this year, obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think so. You know, we're, we're trying to get back to doing uh, live hacking events. So through through Hacker One, that's our bug bounty platform. So I think you'll see. Um, and we, we recently built out an, an entire team to uh, manage our bounty program to improve it. So I think you'll see uh, some 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 additional live hacking events in the next year. Uh, beyond just the one we did every year in Vegas. So stay That's tuned. Cool. That should be pretty cool. I'm excited about that. And especially to have people dedicated full time to the bounty program. Uh, that That's a big one. You know, it's, it's, we, <clears throat> we, we've traditionally done it as sort of a part of a, a first responder rotation, right? Which means, you know, you're dealing with, sure, you know, triaging bounty submissions, but you're also, you've got everywhere from like ping on looking at a PR to like a pull request to like, Hey, uh, looking for some advice on something or who do I talk to about that? You know? So it's, it's a very split focus. Whereas with a, a dedicated team, I feel like it, there's a lot more room to, to grow that program. So anyways, I'm just excited about that. Like you know, to see it actually flourish. Yeah. It's kind of the evolution of those programs. Right. Um, I, I know some of the, companies that I help out with it, right? Like it, you can tell that that's the direction that it's got to go eventually. Um, as yeah. more researchers come on board, more people become more involved. Like the, they have more apps. I mean, you guys are pretty large in comparison to most of the small startups that I deal with. And so depending on their size, they may or may not need a full-time person, but I can definitely see the amount of code that you guys churn out and generate and the number of apps. It's yeah, it, it's oh, yeah. probably a good idea. Yeah. And, you know, it's it, also it's like assets that get pushed that you're, you know, which we're going to talk about that today. You know, some asset discovery, but uh, yeah. and show a tool. But um, yeah, no. So like it's it's cool. It's, you know, you, you basically get a lot of submissions about sure some stuff about applications and a lot about like secure code related stuff or web security. But then you get like a lot of other stuff that, you know, 
it's just could be like dangling domains could be some like s3 buckets could be whatever you know you're like you never know what's going to come through i think the main thing is just the external communication with researchers um that's like the improved area of focus right like that's or that's an area we want to improve in i should say an area of focus so um I'm excited to like just have more engagement with the community overall and have people doing that full time. So cool. Yeah. And you kind of need that. Like if you, if you want to be competitive and you're a large, like you said, it's different. People know their, their audience, right? Most of the time, like good researchers. So if you're a startup, they understand your constraints. If you're a large bit, if you're a large business or you're owned by Microsoft, there's less like, uh, you know, okay, they took a little while to get back to me, you know, uh, they, you know, they're just scrappy startup. We're not a scrappy startup. There's not, there's, they're not, no one's, they're going to hold your feet to the fire a little bit more. So, um, yeah. and that's good. They should. So, yeah, rightfully so. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> You've got dedicated security staff as opposed to, Hey, there's this one developer that does some security stuff at most startups or there's, you know, as sad as that is, right. That's typically how it goes. Um, yeah 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 but But, hey you know one one thing i can say is if you do uh, like the if you can if you can avoid using a service to to be your first level triage that's great like i think that's great because they're never gonna they're never gonna do it they're never gonna respond to people the same way you would right not not in the exact same way not with the, the the carefully handcrafted artisanally generated responses that you know uh, a good team is going to put out there so artisanal um, yeah. responses wow <laughs> that's that's going to go on my next day you know bug bounty management uh <laughs> proposal artisanally, artisanally responses. handcrafted research responses <laughs> yeah. look bud no <laughs> yeah duplicate duplicate yeah no never mind sorry (laughs) yeah no i'm sure these platforms have some good folks responding but again i i don't think like i don't know about you but i like to if i if i want to do something really well i like want to have not necessarily me but our team being the the ones that actually like handle the responses and manage the communication so anyways i'm just excited i'm excited because like we've got people dedicated to it a whole team it's gonna grow it's gonna get better and like I'm just super pumped for that. So starting the starting this week off in a with a happy tone. Cool. Yeah. Well, that's good. At least somebody is right. Like, um, yeah. Out, outside of that, though, we're going to talk about our favorite uh, vulnerability, also known as XSS, um, mm. because it's you know it's one that's really interesting, and we we haven't seen any research done on XSS, and you know years right like no one's actually spent any time on it and yeah <laughs> for those who can't <laughs> i'm a little tell. sarcastic today apparently right you know i i did see this and it is novel um okay so let, yeah let's just post it in there right it's coming out of yeah. swigger right so for some reason slack is going super slow for me to put it up in our slack channel i'll put it on the youtube comments as well um so this this is uh, a change that chrome is introducing for cross-domain iframes, if you're not familiar with, uh, I mean, I assume if you're watching this podcast, you, you're familiar with iframes and just consider an iframe that like pulls in a, another domain, right? So what they're disallowing now is like alert boxes in those uh, iframes. It can be a little bit difficult to actually validate 
So let's back up. What's the what's the number one way, Seth, that people validate their XSS payloads? Um, script alert one, close script, right? That's uh, that's basically it. Um, it is the popping up an alert box with the number one or any number is pretty standard. And honestly, like in trainings, this is what I've recommended as well because it stops execution on the page. It's easy, easily searchable in the HTML source. Um, it's a, you know, it's a very easy way to see whether or not a page is vulnerable to cross-site scripting. And so, yeah, I mean, it's like the or one equals one of cross-site scripting. If, if we're referring to SQL injection attacks, right? It's the way that we, we confirm that it exists. Um, and that, I mean, that's kind of the issue that we have here is they're blocking. I get Chrome's move here because, it's always been confusing, right? You throw up an alert box and you're not quite sure where it's coming from. And there's some confusion to the user and to the developers when you use that functionality inside of an iframe. So yeah, I get it. Or across cross domains, I guess I guess I should say. So I get them blocking it. Um, but like anything with cross-site scripting, it takes, you know, all of 10 minutes and somebody finds a workaround, right? Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. It's, it's, so I guess, I guess, you know, one of the, the impetus for this is that malicious uh, advertisers utilize the fact that, you know, an alert dialogue, like going back to just the basics of an alert dialogue, when done, uh, it can look exactly like a um, prompt from the browser, like a browser generated prompt. So if you, if you muddle or if you muck around with the JavaScript enough to make it look like convincing, you know, you can get people, you can essentially social engineer people, get them to click on things and potentially serve them malware, do malicious things or steal credentials, whatever, whatever it might be. Right. So um, their thought was, Hey, let's like disable that for cross domain iframes. Doesn't make sense. Get it. I totally get it. I totally get it. Kills off a bit of testing though. makes it pretty hard. They discuss like alternatives, like out of band, um, or what is it called? Uh, oh gosh, out, uh, out. It's like OATP. Actually, let me go back. It's, I forget the actual term, but it's like it's essentially like doing things out of OAST. Right? Yeah. Oh yeah, OAST. Sorry. Uh, whatever. Uh, what does that stand for again? I can't. Even, out of band application security testing. Okay, cool. Because we don't have enough acronyms. And I'm getting too old to remember all these acronyms. Seriously, <laughs> like I need a cheat sheet of acronyms at this point. Just seen too many acronyms. Um, but anyways, so you know, like uh, one of the ways that they, they do this is like when you uh, uh, fuzz parameters to see if, like, for instance, you can perform, say, a request out to like a server you own. I think this is sort of like what you see with uh, the port swiggers. Um, their what is their 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 collaborator. Uh, yeah, collaborator, collaborator server. You can yep. even stand up your own collaboration server, collaborator server. And uh, like you can have DNS queries go out to it. You can have like straight up HTTP requests out. You know, you can do, I think there's some other things that it allows for. I don't really remember off the top of my head. But anyways, um, so, you know, this is sort of, um, I guess, one way that you could, you could try to like, get around this whole alert box testing. I don't know that that would be the most valuable way to do it. And obviously they didn't think that was the case either. So, um, and also not like the easiest way. So 
console it says console.log wasn't an option um because uh, they're pro proxied or disabled by uh, JavaScript obfuscators. Um, what was the other? They, there was another one they tried. Um, in any case, they went with uh, the easiest, which is yeah. Perfect. So yeah. And that actually is funny because it's actually. Hold on. Show a screenshot of this, just so people can see. Yeah, you should be able to see that here in a second. Yep. Yeah, so it's literally like the print dialogue for like a printer, right? So kind of cool, you know, like a, a good way to, to to prove out what you're doing. I think that's kind of kind of cool. Um, but it's really, really more so, I, I think what's awesome about this is the fact that they like shared that this is happening, right? This is happening in Chrome because um, we, we all need to be aware of it. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Like, I, I, I mean, I know both of us have talked about some this in previous episodes. You know, it's it, it's getting super hard to get excited about cross-site scripting um, after umpteen years of dealing with it. Um, and it doesn't mean that there's not some cool research that goes on. I mean, obviously, James Kettle, Port Swigger guys, or you know, has spent a lot of time digging through these different things, and like they they are doing some interesting research in that avenues in that avenue. Um, but again, a lot of it feels like uh, almost you know denialist, or you know, trying to get around a denialist or a whitelist and figure out what's there, and it's not as it's not as fundamental to the web anymore, right? Like I know we see a lot of XSS because people make make mistakes and developers make mistakes with it, but it's usually some sort of denialist bypass, right? That that Google is paying out, right? Um, or that I, I mean, I don't know, right? Do you have no, any so statistics on? That. Do you have any statistics from GitHub on how many of your issues are XSS related, like bug bounty Ooh. specifically? Off the top of my head, no, but I can tell you anecdotally, like, yes, I have those statistics, but not like on not me. right here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can, I, you know, if they're interested and I can make sure that it's okay to share that, um, I'm happy to do so. But anecdotally, I can definitely share that the one that we see, I think the most, and it's specific to us, um, mainly because of how much we do with Markdown, right? And not just Markdown, but like hosting, say, an SVG file or, you know, ver there's various ways to, to introduce XSS. Like, um, but so the one we see come across the most is let me just since you actually put a job, since you put actual like a JavaScript XSS style payload in there, let me do <laughs> another one. So actually, we see this one. It doesn't bypass CSP. We've got a very strong CSP, but the yeah. JavaScript colon alert one, that's the one that we see in terms of proof of concepts. Um, I think that's the that's the type that uh, is most prevalent. And honestly, a lot of that comes down to two factors. One, well, the, probably the biggest factor is just that, and this is something I think like it's just interesting in general. Um, the the difference between URI parsing and URL parsing, right? Um, yeah. This has bitten a lot of people in the in the in the tail before. They don't really know like what. It's not always. Okay, so let's back up to what a URI is versus a URL, right? A URI is, is could be, 
this could be something like for mail, for FTP, like in terms of the schema, right? Because that says JavaScript colon. Mm -hmm. That schema, JavaScript is the schema, right? So the, the, the schema could be anything. It could be like a mail, it could be FTP, it could be SSH, it could be whatever, right? HTTP. Um, and that's where it gets a little weird is because when people use URI parsing libraries, um, if you don't validate that scheme, then you can run into these issues. Meaning like if you're expecting that scheme to only be HTTP or HTTPS, that can be an issue. And this can, this can lead to like JavaScript say in the, the scheme and then lead to like XSS, right? So if you're doing some URI parsing of a URI string and uh, expecting it to only have HTTP or HTTPS and you're not factoring in that there could be other things placed in there and that the URI parsing library would be like, yeah, that makes sense. This is a valid URI schema. And not just schema, but like format, yep. including the schema. Because, you know, the URI consists of quite a few parts. It's got the schema, it's got the domain, it's got the ports, it's got the path, it's got its query params. So anyways, I think this is like why you see it, uh, I see it anyways, being fairly prevalent is just because of that, like, that little, uh, uh, that little, uh, change in the way that you look at or you think about how the, the URI parsing library is going to work. Whereas a URL is like, you know, pretty specific to the web, specifically to, to the web, right? So th there is a difference there. And I don't know if it's always appreciated. And, and when you deal with Markdown a lot, man, it is. It, it, and then, you know, you're talking about Markdown, not just in one place, but in many services, right? So it's, it's just always interesting to try and do that uh, without introducing security flaws. Yeah. Well, and I mean, these types of injection flaws, right? Because that's that's really what it is, are still very prevalent. Anytime we introduce a new technology, I mean, schemas get really interesting as well on like mobile clients because you could do custom scheme schemas, right? Uh, to, uh, to open up an application, right? And it's an attack surface that we end up dealing with on the mobile side of things that isn't super well-known, right? Mobile developers understand that it's there, but you, most of the time it's not something that they consider to be user controllable, even though that it is. Um, anyway, we're going off on a huge tangent, but that's that, that's interesting that that's the one that you see because of the CSPs. And then it's also a self-XSS almost because it's not, I don't know if it's something that you could share across to other people and actually take advantage of or not, right? It's going to take some jumping through some additional hoops, with a CSP in place to actually execute a full-on style attack using cross-site scripting alone, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna show you, yeah, actually just so that people have a visual, once again, I'm gonna share my screen here. Just so that like, oh man, that's huge, hold on. Let me kind of clear all this out and let's just start from the beginning. So like uh, I'll create a, a U object that represents URI.parse of that JavaScript alert one value. Yep. And then we'll just do, and you could see, by the way, like, obviously I'm talking to the people watching, uh, but they can see like there's, there's methods associated with this U object. So I can add, like, we were talking about the scheme, for instance, all the schemes considered JavaScript, it, you know, could be like, like I'd said before, it could be like mail here or something along those lines, whatever it might be. Right. Uh, but anyways, so going back to it, uh, actually, I don't need that again. Let's see. So, uh, yeah, we could look at like the path. It's probably nil. Yeah. Um, host name, nil. Um, 
Yeah. So if, if, but however, if you were doing something like u equals uri dot parse, and then you did like u dot host name, it would show, you know, absolute adsec.com. The URI li library part, the URI is like, because the URI actual RFC specs are so, they're all encompassing of so many different protocols and so many different types of formats. It's just super flexible. And again, like it can, that in and of itself can lead to, you know, unintentional, like you said, it's in just an injection issue, right? Just by, it's like a whack. It's, Similar to like what you were saying too. It's like a game of whack-a-mole. So anyways, I just figured it'd be maybe useful to show people uh, what that looks like. Yeah. Um, and if, I mean, if you're, if you're interested too, right, there's a, yeah, there's a whole spec on URIs. Uh, Wikipedia's entry on it is pretty good. I'll throw those in there too. And I know we're kind of going off topic, but it is an interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, hold on. What topic? <laughs> What, I don't know. What is the topic? <laughs> Cross-site scripting. That's the topic. Yeah. yeah. Like what topic are we even? Yeah. We're this. There's no, there's no path people. None of this is planned. It's just off the cuff. <laughs> but, but these are super important, right? Like I, I know you and I are. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, how many times have we seen some sort of scheme abuse either through a web app um I, I mean, honestly, this is very common in server-side request forgery attacks. You know, it's you know, you're abusing URIs and what the what the targeted. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like the victim is whether that's a user in the case of cross-site scripting or the server in the case of SSRF. You can abuse those URI schemes to get access to stuff. Um, whether that's FTP, whether that's S3 buckets, whether that's like there's all sorts of security implications that go along with these URI schemes. And if you're not familiar with them, you, you should be. Uh, and like I said, mobile is another aspect here because you can do custom ones and you can actually enumerate what apps are available on a phone based on the schemes that it responds to. And so there's all sorts of you know fun things that you can play with here if you've never looked at it. Yeah, I bet if you were to pull apart, like, I don't know, not necessarily like well-vetted security-centric libraries, but more just like packages or libraries that that use URI for some sort of productivity, I would imagine you'd probably uncover, if you did this on a large scale, you'd probably uncover lots of injection issues just because of the of that misunderstanding of like, or maybe just not even, maybe just like not thinking about the fact that there's other things that can be included in these uh, formats and uh, just, yeah, it's the RFC spec. So yeah. anyways, thought it was interesting. Yeah. Pretty cool. And, and it's good to know that, that, you know, that change is coming out. Uh, that this came out last week. It looks like I think, yeah, about a week ago. Um, so, and that's coming out in Chrome 92, I believe. Let's look here. So just so once Chrome 92 lands on the 20th of July. Okay. So in one week, this time next, next week. Uh, yeah. They're, they're going to be a disabling alert for cross domain iframes. 
So that, that that doesn't mean that you still can't use alert because you know the right the tr- yeah. the traditional methods are still going to work. It's just the cross domain within an iframe. It's a very kind of specific use case that James is looking at here. Um, but having a workaround is always useful. I mean, print's going to work wherever. Uh, so, yeah. I wonder well. if, like, because um, Burp has Chrome built into it, right? Like, you have that option now in the, the proxy yeah, tab. Yep. Like, yep. Yeah. Yep. So I'm wondering if they wouldn't disable the disable. I don't even know that's possible. <laughs> disable I, the disable. Well, well, actually, probably to do the right thing, they're probably, yeah, exactly, disable the disable. But uh, I, I probably to do the right thing, my guess is they're keeping it up to date and not like doing any modifications. And probably, that was that's my guess anyways, probably the only modification would be like the proxy settings specifically, I would imagine. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe there's a more custom version of Chromium built into Burp. And uh, they could could do something there. I don't know. I don't know if they'd want to. It would be yeah. worth it. I don't know. I was just checking out the uh, Port Swigger's cross-site scripting cheat sheet, right? That has like yeah. all of the different functions and some payloads in there. Uh, they haven't completely converted it over to print, but they are. They have added quite a few like um, print payloads now, and I don't yeah. know if that's just after the fact, but. I, before they were using alert pretty much everywhere, and I think they've they've changed that up. Mm. So anyway, oh yeah, they did change that all that. You're right; they changed all that around just for this reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's a more cool. consistent. Yeah, yeah. I tried to. Um, yeah, like I think if you're, especially if you're a researcher, it makes sense to just like keep communication with the actual folks building the the browser specs. Um, this like the security team of these browser vendors. Um, it, it it just makes a lot of sense to, especially like I said, if you're a researcher, to pay you know pretty good attention to to what's going on uh, yeah. there. So yeah, so I don't know anything else. Cool. You uh, I I guess we could talk about something else if you want to move on. I'm not sure. Yeah, we've got a few things. Yeah, next up, before we kind of we, we jump into the demo and we talk about AMS for a little bit, let's talk about uh, your mothership acquiring uh, Risk IQ, right? Oh, that's neat. Yeah, like good for Risk IQ. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, here yeah. I got a couple articles I'll post. But this just happened. I think it was yesterday or the day before. Right? It's been pretty. You know, yeah, I mean Risk IQ, uh, like they're tech or their actual value add is the combination of vulnerability data, right? With like threat intelligence is, is what they call it, right? Um, but the ability to actually combine threat of specific products with what's going on in the world. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I mean, it's a pretty huge acquisition uh, and I mean, good on them, right? But it's 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 big. I've never used the tool, but I, I like the idea of like, um, for one, getting a so getting a uh, handle on like what assets you have. We've talked about this a bunch. Like your digital footprint, you know, it changes, gets updated, and you may not always know what you've got out there. So that's kind of cool that they they help with basically aggregate. It seems like they aggregate a bunch of data. 
whether it's your vulnerability data, whether it's your external footprint. Um, but I'm curious, like the, uh, the, the motivation, you know? Yeah. I, well, I and that's, and that's what... the question that I've got with it too, is it's great to have a sponsor. I mean, you know, GitHub and Microsoft, right. That, that one made a lot of sense to me just from a code perspective, developer perspective. Um, I know Microsoft is pushing into the security space more and more, and they're, they're concerned about security, um, them saying they're going to introduce risk IQ data into their products. I'm, I'm interested to see what that actually looks like. I mean, is that from the Azure cloud side of things? Is it, uh, I mean, is it something consumers are going to be able to take advantage of or us as security prof professionals? I just, like, I've got a bunch of questions on it and I'm sure they're really concerned about me knowing and understanding because I'm the, <laughs> their key demographic there. But uh, it, it's going to be an interesting to watch and keep an eye on. No, I, I'm interested too. And I, the funny thing is like, you just see so, so many big companies now just trying to tackle the security space. And it, it's just funny how quickly it feels like it went from us begging people to pay attention to security to like the biggest power tech powerhouses in the world, arguably being like, Hey, this is a real problem. This is really something we want to solve. And it, man, it's just, it's like, I don't know. It makes me happy. It's very positive. It's very cool <laughs> to see, to, to see. Um, but I did, I don't, I can't even, I'll be honest with you. This is one I've struggled to see how that's going to, um, I know they have a plan clearly, but like, what is it? And like, I'm, I'm, I'm speculating so much. I'm like, how's this gonna the play play out? You know, like when, 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 um, code, when Semmel, uh, uh, joined GitHub. That was very clear to me on like how that use, how, how that would work roughly. Yeah. Right. Yep. But I, I have no idea with, uh, with, with like at what, yeah, I just don't know. So. Well, and that's, a, that's the interesting thing, right? Is risk IQ was acquired by Microsoft, right? It not necessarily GitHub or one of the other subsidiaries. So obviously they're looking at it from a higher level, like that threat intelligence, you know, service to either internal orgs or external or how that's implemented and like what that actually represents. I, I mean, we know, we know that Microsoft has done big pushes on security in the past uh, and we've seen that, but I, I don't know. There, there's a lot of questions for me on this as well. Right? That, that's, I guess that's all I'm trying to say is that it's, it's cool to see, but I also hope that it doesn't just get killed off or right, like those those kind of threat intelligence services go away because um, there's there's quite a bit because even because um, it's not just this acquisition but it's the acquisition of uh, Jerry's company too recently by Cisco um, mm. that like I don't know if I like the fact that big players are the ones that have access to all the threat intelligence services and how they feed those out. Right? Um, mm. They're, they're, yeah. But that, that they, yeah, that's, that, that's my like tinfoil hat coming out, right? Is, no, that's you know, the mistrust that yeah. uh, a lot of us have from legacy events. Legacy and, events, yes. But it's not that long ago. <laughs> it's not <laughs> that long ago where these same companies were like the ones we were kind of not happy about. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm being honest. So um, yeah, it yeah. is, it is interesting to see this change. Yeah, just go go back to bug disclosure, like security bug disclosure stuff back in you know the early two thousands. It was an issue. 
um, with a lot of these same players. At, and yeah. yes, they're, I mean, they're saying the, the right thing. They're doing the right thing, or they seem to be doing the right thing now. Um, but that switch can flip so quickly depending on who's in charge and what their concerns are. That, that That's where I have heartburn on these sorts of acquisitions because it, it does take away some of that flexibility. And I, I mean, I'll be honest, right? Even like GitHub being acquired um, from a... Oh, you know, man. Yeah. I'm sure you've heard all sorts of things about that, but it's the same sort of tinfoil hat, right? Like, what does this really mean for me and my like code that I host out there and are these services going to disappear? You know, am I going to be forced to use Microsoft products, all that kind of stuff. Right. Oh, when we got acquired. So when GitHub got acquired by Microsoft, man, I got, I got messages from, from good friends even who were like, just so you know, I'm taking all my, st-. I'm like, first of all, I don't care what you, why would you <laughs> tell me that? But like, they're like, Oh, I'm taking all my stuff off of GitHub. I'm moving over to GitLab. I'm like, okay. I mean, you know, that's one way to look at it, I guess. Uh, you know, it's not like, like what, <laughs> no offense, but uh, yeah, I, you know what? I'll, I'll just leave it there. I'll just say no offense. <laughs> and, uh, leave it there. I don't think anyone's concerned. Uh, but anyways, um, yeah, it was weird, the response uh, for sure. But I get it. But see, that's the thing is I do get it because, you know, we there's yeah. a history there. So, yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, like, because, you know, there's who are the other players in this this space, right? Like, would you consider Intrigue and Asset Note to be comparable? I, I, I don't think they have as much. Um, it's more limited, right? Li- yeah, I don't think they have quite as much experience or, like, depth as Risk IQ does. Like, Risk IQ has been around a long time, and I know they serve a lot of, a lot of institutions that we probably don't think of, um, right? We, yeah, I, I mean, so you, you start thinking like financials, especially, that I, I know their threat um, landscape and their threat tolerance is a lot different than a startup. So, you know, some startup risk IQ probably isn't something that they're super concerned with, but, you know, a large financial institution, a large bank, is going to consume that data and then make decisions based on it. Decisions about who they work with, like third-party vendors, including startups. Uh, data around, yeah, just that threat information becomes very, very valuable. And that's probably where Microsoft is looking at it. Um, yeah, they show American Express as being a customer. They show Facebook. Yep. And they show BNP. So, I mean, you know, those that's right in line with what in box, like clearly boxes it would be concerned, you know? So that's, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. Uh, focused on threat. So Alex Lowerman, which awesome. It's good to see yeah. Alex. I, Alex is right. I mean, they are, they're more focused on threat Intel, right? Asset notes, more attack surface. Uh, you're right. I mean, but it is still like the, the sorts of scans that they're doing is risk information that they're pulling up. And it does have to do a lot with what the attack surface looks like, what the organization looks like. Um, I, I mean, how often are you scanned on a daily basis if you have something out on the internet, right? I, I know GitHub can speak to that as far as the amount of just traffic that you get that you don't know what it's doing. And especially like this tool that you're going to show here in a little bit makes it super easy to scan. Uh, you start to tie that together with, uh, 
you know, other data that's out there, including what's on the pages that are exposed, you know, how many login pages are associated with a specific org, who is information. Like you can tie all these sources together and start to build a threat profile of a company in addition to the threat intel that comes out of financials and other things. And it becomes super valuable, right? The more that you tie together, the better information that you have on people and on companies, uh, the the better calls that you can make from a threat perspective on whether or not you should process a transaction, right? If you think about American Express that's on their page, that's exactly what they're doing. They're using that risk IQ feed to determine whether or not they should process a transaction. Um, that's yeah, one the of the things that goes into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the yeah. attack surface is just one data point yeah. in determining like threats and risky. I mean, that's how we... Pro- you and I, when we talk about profiling and applications risk, you know, we talk about the different data points and, and like, yeah, it's like, is it external facing? Is it internal facing? Does it have auth Z or N? Does it do this? Does it do that? And like, what's the kind of data that it holds? And you ask a bunch of like, what are the framework and libraries in use and how well supported are those things? And what are they being used for? And a whole bunch of questions that you essentially, essentially a bunch of data points that you used to, to, yeah. To, to aggregate and then figure out riskiness. So I guess I'm just saying it's like, yeah, I'm just saying what you're saying essentially in a different way. Yeah. I, I mean, but Alex, you are right. They, they do they do focus more on the threat intel side than they do on the attack surface management. Um, but I, I would be surprised if their internal algorithm, their secret sauce doesn't include some sort of a, a check on that attack surface. Um, so. Yeah, I'd be curious to see how this all works out. Yeah. Yep. So keep an eye on it. We will as well, right? Like, you know, the, the app tech or the security nihilist in me is going to come out on most of that. So it's all the worst and we're, we're all going to die eventually. So there you go. <laughs> you think it'll be part of like their enterprise management suite, maybe? Maybe it could, it could be. Azure I, service? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. That, no, that, that, like, that wouldn't make sense to me. I don't know. Maybe. Uh. Yeah. I, I mean, Alex, if you watch the threat intel, like his speaking to his other question too, right? If you didn't see it, he asked if threat if threat intel services are still a big thing. Just he hasn't heard much about them in a few years. Um, I would say that they are right, especially from a risk perspective and a threat perspective. Uh, they just have gone dark. They're not as they don't like to be a target. I guess is what I can say. Um, they're trying to gather their information and provide it to businesses that are willing to pay for it without exposing themselves too much. And the, and the, the sorts of analysis that they're doing, because that's, you know, if somebody else can figure out what they're doing, they can replicate the, the algorithm that they've created to come up with these scores. But you've seen um, who is it? MasterCard acquired risk recon, uh, you've got Risk IQ now being acquired. You've got uh, Kenna that's been acquired, right? These are all sorts of Intel services, threat Intel services that bigger companies are pull, are snapping up in order to improve their own internal intelligence services, or maybe they see a bigger play there on selling and reselling those. Uh, but it, it, yeah, if you watch the space, there's still quite a bit of activity that goes on there. Yeah. I'm, anyway. Now I'm looking at Kenna's. I'm, I'm at. Now I'm on like Kenna's website, just looking at 
just out of curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, and the thing is, right. Like Kenna is like, it's vulnerability management, but it's, it's a, it's an intelligence service, right? That's, it's very similar to that in that it's giving you evidence-based guidance. It's looking at vulnerabilities, telling you what you can act upon. Um, so I, like, I, I know that it's not a one-to-one comparison with Risk IQ or with Asset Note, but it is that same sort of a feed that a company can use to, yeah, to figure out what their threat landscape looks like and to mitigate threat. So mm-hmm. anyway, anyway, I'm kind of ranting. Sorry, Ken. No, um, like I said, there's no, there's no, there's nothing's planned here. We're just off the cuff. Off the cuff talking. today. Yep. Well, good. Like maybe we should show people AMAS then. I think you, you set it up to do a quick scan. Is that, do we have enough time for that? Yeah. It took like two seconds too, to get it like all set up and running. It was very, very easy. So uh, let me start sharing stuff. Sorry. I gotta, I gotta back out of things here. Um, So first of all, yep. You want to explain what it is? Let me see. I'll throw it. Yeah. I'm finding the, I found your screen here. Yeah. I'll throw the GitHub link in there for it. AMAS. Yeah, it's on GitHub. Uh, it is an OWASP project. Um, basically it, you know, allows you to enumerate assets so you can give, I, they've got like different options. So sorry, I I say enumerate there. There's actually more than that. So the, the two main options that I played with today as I was messing around with it this morning, uh, were Intel and enumeration. And uh, I'll, I'll just show in a second what that looks like. But Intel kind of just, you can give it like, um, so I could give it, uh, say, Redpoint Securities domain. And yeah. I could find out what other domains you also own. So not subdomains, but actual other domains that you own. So it creates, it helps you kind of create a list of potential targets to then perform enumeration on, which is the second step, which again, I'll, I'll show in a second. But the enumeration step is then, you know, again, you can you can give it a list, you can, uh, uh, like a file with a list of assets. You can do this via IP, IPv6. You can give it ASNs. You can give it um, domain names. And uh, basically, it'll go out and find what's out there. I'll, uh, but anyway, so yeah, this is the, um, the page. I, I found it very easy to just go to the releases. Uh, <laughs> I, I, hold on, let me go back. <laughs> <laughs> I was on he found it very easy yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah very easily um anyways so uh yeah i just went down and downloaded the uh the the uh, mac os one um so anyways here let me stop sharing that one and go over to my terminal here and uh fire so share screen. All right. So, and apologies for those that are, because I know a lot of people listen to this podcast more than they wa- watch it. Uh, you know, you, you might want to go. We'll, we'll, we'll try and give a running commentary of what's going on though. So yeah. Ken's got I mean, a terminal screen up and we're going <laughs> to read it. CK tricky at Ken's MVP code, ma- a mass Mac OS AMD 64. Okay. There we go. <laughs> Seth is Seth is gonna be my uh <laughs> Seth is gonna be my um 
uh, voice to chat or uh, text to chat. Or, text to chat. Yeah. yeah text yeah. to voice, whatever. Right. Yeah. So like assuming I want to um, just find, you know, like, let's say uh, just find any additional domains. Oh, I did it wrong already. Look at this. I'm already failing. Um, hold on. I think I have to give it a who is. Yeah. So sorry, I forgot to give it the who is flag. Um, anyways, it's going to do a bunch of searches here um, and it's just going to try and see. Oh, I did the github.com. Okay. Well, you know what? That's what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. That's just, that's just, that's what I'm doing now. So, um, so now Seth as text to chat. Yes. A mass Intel minus D <laughs> github.com dash who is. There you go. Uh, so yeah, there's some other domains here listed that we that we own, um, and uh, or the GitHub owns, um, and uh, yeah. So cool. If I wanted to begin, then like being like, all right, what are the other um, domains here? Uh, I'll just start enumerating, right? So now I've got my list of like potential attack services. So I'll, um, I'll just start enumerating that domain, githubuniverse.com, see if there's anything else. Um, and I don't know if like what will come back here. Honestly, I'm like semi-horrified just as, <laughs> that I'm going to uncover something. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> We're good. But uh, actually, there shouldn't be anything. It might be like a www.githubuniverse or something like that, .com. But anyways, I just thought it'd be useful to kind of show people um, the tool, like roughly how to run it, what to do, and... Um, for me, like I, I, I'm always interested in like what's being accidentally exposed. I think bug bounty researchers, for sure, if they're not using this tool, they're using something similar. This basically aggregates from so many different sources, and the nice thing is that it's, um, it's actually well supported and updated. And um, because it's an OWASP project, you know, it's it's got some official kind of like I don't know, it's a, kind of got some official support basically what it is versus because there's a lot of scripts on the internet to do stuff like this. And this is kind of like gluing a lot of things together. So, well, I mean, oh, I, mean I know, I, I know AMAS is in uh, Jason Haddock's bug bounty methodology, right? Like it's one of those that tools that he recommends for use. If you are looking at a specific IP or a specific organization where all hands are off, right. They don't give you a domain. So anyway, go ahead. It should be. Yeah, you're right. It should be in his uh, methodology for sure. If you do the verbose flag, I forgot about this. If you do the verbose flag, it'll actually show you where all it's it's querying. So Alien Vault, Baidu, stuff like that, Yahoo. So it's kind of cool. Like it's showing you where it's actually. And uh, the result of this one too was like, um, um, I think, oh yeah. So it's the same one you're going to see here. Sort of gives you, like I said, I didn't think there'd be much else, but like www.githubuniverse.com. There's no other subdomains that detected, but it kind of shows you like where that subdomain's registered um, with Fastly, uh, the ASN. Um, it, yeah, it's. It, I mean, like I said, it's it, it's pretty straightforward. It's what you would expect, but um, I don't know. Felt like it was worth sharing. It's an OWASP project. People need this kind of stuff, I think. So especially blue teamers and, and well, blue teamers and re boundary researchers. So everybody needs this. So something like this. So anyways. Yeah. See, now I'm in my own yeah. terminal window, like scanning all my, my different domains. Right. You know, surprisingly yeah. enough, cheetah biscuits didn't come up with anything. So gosh, ah, nothing. Huh? Foiled again. 
<laughs> oh, cheetah biscuits. Yes. No, I, I mean, any of those utilities, right? Like this is all stuff that you can script up inside of your pipeline or inside of your like daily checks. It's, it's fairly easy to get this info back. And if you don't understand what the bug bounty researchers are, are doing or what the, you know, the red teamers are doing, just ask, right? At, like most of the time, like most of the bug bounty reports that I see always have at least the tool that's out there, right? That they've used to scan. They want to provide the evidence because they want to get paid. And there's no reason that you as a blue teamer or you as a coder couldn't do the same thing. Um, and uh, it, I mean, obviously if you're not on the security team, talk to them first, especially before you run some sort of, you know, denial of service script against production. But uh, in general, you can replicate a lot of the activities that are out there. Um, read the bug bunny bug bounty hunters methodology from Jason Haddock's understand what it is and what the approach is that they're going about, because it's very similar to what an attacker would do as well. Uh, they're, they're going to enumerate data first, right? I, like it's the same thing we do for code reviews, Ken, right? Yeah, it is. It, it's just, you know, on a, on a different level, it's different things that they're looking at. So yeah. Anyway, I think, uh, there's not a whole lot else for us to, to cover on this, but uh, um, like on the note of just like open source tooling and like stuff that's available, I just wanted, this is, this is my semi-regular reminder for folks to go and sign up for Clint Gibbler's TLDR sec newsletter. Um, yes. I don't think I got a mask from that newsletter, but uh, I don't think I did, but but anyways, I, I saw, I have, like his last one had some interesting stuff around uh, DOM fuzzing uh, updates in Burp. And then like uh, some says like, a, oh, there's another, anyway, there's some good information there. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, there, there was like a new tool though that he had, or something that he had mentioned I hadn't seen before. So let me pull that up, that last one. But this is just your reminder, like sign up for TLDR sec. Clint's awesome. That newsletter is awesome. Like you are missing out if you're not subscribed to it. Actually, what's funny is like, I think we've said this before and it's definitely true for me. Sometimes he, he literally like sends out so much information that it, for me, it, it gets hard to actually even keep up with the newsletters. <laughs> like it's so frequent. Um, but yeah. yeah. So, oh, go ahead. No, no. I was just going to say, right. Like a, a, a lot of the things that we talk about at times we're pulling stuff from the newsletters that has gone out. Like he's, it's a good curated set of content. Um, and speaking of which Derek that is on our Slack has a new discord channel that is doing some aggregation as well. That's been very interesting. Um, and I can't, uh, sorry, Derek, I can't exactly remember exactly what it is is that the one that you dropped in there that's probably something different no 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 that's something else that's just a playground for um fuzzing essentially for 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 web fuzzing um cool. content so it's like a play it's a playground for that so um but again this is something i wouldn't have seen uh if it wasn't for clint's um Newsletter, but like, uh, do you have the inf Yeah, so if you're, Derek, if you're not around, uh, we can put it in the show notes later or in the description of the video for uh, like where people can sign up for your Discord server to get those up or for your Discord channel to get updates. Yeah. 
You're searching for it, aren't you? I can tell I'm searching for it. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking back through. It's in You're our general headset. channel on there. I know. I'm like, Ugh, I know it's in here somewhere. Dang it, Derek. Yeah. And he's not on he's not on right now when we're talking about it, of course. That's <laughs> inevitable. Um, yeah. but it's been super useful, right? He's aggregating Twitter feeds and some of the newsletter information on a daily basis. Um you know, it, it felt very similar to what Twitter used to be, right? Before it descended to so much InfoSec drama. Get informed. There we go. Thanks, Thank Aaron. Um, he posted that in there, get informed. But drop into our Slack channel if you would like to get access to that. Um, Derek's put some effort into it, just like monitoring those different channels and pulling in interesting data from Reddit and other things. Um, but at the very least, let's start with... Uh, you know, Clint's TLDR sec, because there's some good stuff in there. Like, we didn't even talk about Dom Invader. That was in his last one, too, right? Um, oh, there, there, yeah, yeah. There, yeah, man. I'm telling you, like, it's so useful. It's so useful. Hey, I want to plug this because okay. it's not, I, this is not, I'm not getting, this is no sponsorship. So I'm doing an unpaid sponsorship plug, but. GitHub had sent me as part of like this manager thing that we were doing meetup. They sent me an Ember mug. And if you haven't heard of these mugs, like, have you heard of this Seth? Mm -mm. Okay. This is okay. At first I was like, why would I want a smart mug? That's insane. We've gone too far. Right. (laughs) Wait, however, and there's an app for it that you install on your phone. I'm like, okay, this is gone. What are we doing? What are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. But let me tell you, you tell it the exact temperature you want your coffee to stay at. And to the degree this thing keeps your coffee warm at that temperature, you could sit it down for two hours as long as the battery doesn't run out. Your coffee, when you come back to it, will still be exactly the temperature you want. So this has been like the single coolest thing that I immediately had shit on when I when I got it. I was like really a smart mug and but then i used it i'm like oh my god this is so ember mugs i'm plugging you this is we're not paid for this i wish we were but you know no i'm kidding but you know or send send seth a send seth an ember mug ember mug if you're ever listening but yeah no uh man super cool hmm now now i'm 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 looking up ember.com Dang it, Ken. Gosh. Spoiler alert. They're not ever going to listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, no, no, like, yeah. Maybe, maybe one of their guys is, yeah, eventually. That's it. I'll it's put it in the cheap. show notes. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> it's not cheap, but man, it is so cool. It's like the, the neatest thing to have like consistent you know, temperature coffee. I don't know why, but yeah. <laughs> And, you know, we've descended to things that entertain Seth and Ken. Wow, this is this episode has been awesome. No, it's been good. There could be some security bend to it. I don't know. Maybe you could burn people with, like, over exceeding the, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> Anyways, it's pretty cool. That, that's it. I'm going to I'm gonna hack your Ember account and just turn it down 10 degrees. <laughs> One degree just every day? Every day, yeah. Until I'm just wait, drinking wait, cold wait. coffee. <laughs> Uh, awesome that's my question what about iced coffee right yeah 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 maybe there's a setting for that yeah Yeah, exactly no like i if you're if you're on the fence it is a cool it is like it is cool and i'm not even like that big of a a coffee drinker but it's super cool so anyways thought i'd mention it it's awesome 
could it, it could wait 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 it can handle other beverages too like water or tea <laughs> so many liquids <laughs> amazing <All right>. <laughs> oh wow <laughs> now you're just making fun all right all right. All right. Um, on that note, right, uh, especially where you just posted a, a link that's fuff.me as just like, I just, yeah. Yeah. Just... Titling. Phrasing counts. Titling. Phrasing counts for something. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know what else. Yeah, like, I'm completely gone that's now. It. Let's, yeah, that's it. TLDR sec. Uh, sign up for our Black Hat course. Hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up on Slack. Uh, Derek, uh, feel free to post any links, and we can share them across in show notes. And if you want swag, send us an email. Yep. And, uh, you know. Oh, yeah, which I'm actually mailing them out this week because I put together the spreadsheet. So just got to run down to the UPS store. I meant to do it last week. Had That's another story. I had some stuff mm-hmm. crop up personal errands and stuff that need to be done. Didn't get my safety inspection done <laughs> on time for my truck. Anyways, whatever. Uh, so anyways, yeah. So like uh, that, those should be going out this week anyway. So if you want to get in on that wave, yeah, it's info at absolute or just absolute at gmail.com. Send an yep. address and a t-shirt size. Um, and like I said, that wave's going out this week. So if you want to be included in that, send that info. Um, yeah, do, do so soon because I think these ones are. I mean, we're last we're getting batch. down last batch, and we're gonna do a, a new run. We'll have some new t-shirts here pretty soon. Like we've been talking about some, you know, nice Crocs and socks and some um, extra swag that we're gonna be putting out there. But uh, yeah, appreciate everyone listening. We'll catch everyone online and let us know. Uh, join the conversation when you can. So appreciate everybody's time. Thanks. Bye. Ciao.